welcome to what I like to call the season finale of the 10 Questions podcast on this protracted first season. Uh, thank you for listening. And on this episode, we have the one and only infamous Tinker Sack. Uh, Tinker is somebody I've always been drawn to because he tells a great story. He don't, doesn't just tell a great story in writing. He tells a great story in person. It's just always so animated and just makes things sound so interesting, even when sometimes they're not. Um, I couldn't wait to have a little bit of time and sit down and have a conversation with him both with the premiere episode when I talked to Juno as well as whenever I spoke with Wirefall, both of them were telling me I needed to get Tinker on and talk to him because there were certain questions I asked and both of them said Tinker would be the person to actually talk to about this. So I played a little cat and mouse with him on Twitter for a little while. I uh, had a little fun and uh, <laughs> then he said, hey, you still haven't asked me yet. You need to ask me. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, would you like to come on? And he was more than happy to do so. Ahead of this conversation, I told him that I wouldn't expect much more than about 30 minutes of time. Uh, you'll hear whenever we get about 30 minutes into the conversation, he makes light of it and he says, oh, I don't know if uh, everybody's going to want to listen any further than this. But the conversation was a good, solid hour and change. It was a fun conversation. Um, always uh, moving forward, always have some kind of good conversation or good story going on. So, without further ado, 10 Questions with Tinker. All right, so this is the next episode of 10 Questions, and I've got Tinker on the other end of the line here. Um... Ting, did I tell you the story about about whenever I first ran into you? I no, I don't think so. We've been okay. we've been going back and forth for a while now, so it's all kind of blended into my past. Why, why don't you tell me? <laughs> all right. So at, at B sides DFW, I uh, stopped and I was talking to uh, I was talking to Waterfall for a little mm. bit, and uh, at one point I I asked if you were there. He said that yeah, that you were around. Um. So I remember, I think it was lunch. I sat back down. I was probably a few feet away from the community table. And uh, Waterfall was talking to somebody. And having heard your voice, I was like, that sounds like that might be him. <laughs> and so and, and so after the guy walked away, I walked over to Waterfall and asked. He's like, oh, no, 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 that wasn't Tigger. <laughs> um, and uh, he's, he uh, had told me you were wearing that uh, that, that uh, yellow sweater. Uh, okay. So it's so later on, I ended up walking by you. You were talking to somebody at the at the front table. Okay. And I didn't even stop and notice the. I, I didn't even stop and notice the yellow sweater. But whenever I walked by you, I heard your voice and I was like, oh, no, that's definitely him. Without a doubt, that's him. And I turned, I turned and I looked and lo and behold, there was the yellow sweater. Sure enough. <laughs> which which that, that, that's where my post on Twitter a little later yeah. on, you know, making the comment about that. And then Snow ended up uh, posting the picture with the right? uh, yellow yeah, 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 because yeah. Yeah, the comment you made to me about that at the after party was that it was uh, now what you're wearing was more of a burnt umber. 
yeah, yeah, no, no, hold on. I mean, we can't just say yellow, you know. Folks will start thinking, you know, like safety yellow or something like that. That that was specifically it, it was it was uh, 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 it was it was autumn. It was a nice uh, fall color. It was part of an entire ensemble that I was wearing, and I believe burnt umber was uh, a little bit closer. But uh, but yeah, you call it you call it yellow if you want to be uncivilized. I don't mind that at all. Well, they, I, I believe that there's a more specific one was mustard yellow. There we go. Yeah, oh yeah. In, in between burnt umber and mustard yellow, let me pull out my HTML. Uh, uh, a, a pound, uh, uh, you know, color schema here, real quick, and we can we can compare burnt umber to mustard yellow. <laughs> um, I'm actually, okay. I'm, I'm going to do that real quick while we're talking because I'm, oh, I'm, okay. I'm 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 now curious what the internet, uh, the official difference between burnt umber and uh, mustard yellow are. <laughs> Don't mind my massive like keyboard typing right now. Hey, that, that, that's that's fine. Uh, it's it's nowhere it's nowhere near as bad. Uh, my uh, my boss has a mechanical keyboard, and everybody tells him on uh, on um, uh, conference calls, "Hey, mute your phone." <laughs> so so loud. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and get started. While you're looking that up, I, I, just, I just looked it up real quick. It is mustard yellow. It was not burnt umber. There we go. Score yeah. one for Wirefall right Done. there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, question number one is actually uh, has to deal with um, a situation for B-Sides DFW anyway. Sure. Uh, was the, 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 the first time I actually ran into you and I got your attention, you had a plastic bag of USB drives. Did I? Handing those out. You said, take one. This is from Juno. Yeah. And I don't so, remember this. I, I asked Juno the story uh -oh. behind that, no and she had, she had her take on it, but she said that getting your clarification might be good. So this is one of these back and forths kind of things. So uh, if I remember right, so we were playing, uh, me and my team, I, I, I love B-Sides DFW because uh, it's really a chance for me to relax and be with friends. Um, I, most conferences, I don't go to a lot of talks. I'll have like one or two, you know, that, that I really want to see, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I went to one of those here at B-Sides. Um, uh, but generally, I want to hang out with friends that I don't get a chance to hang out with uh, often. You know, I, I work remote, and so this is kind of a chance for me to actually physically get out in the community. It's, it's local, and I've been I've been with B-Sides DFW for years now. Um, and so I generally don't even play like CTFs or anything like that because it's still too close to kind of technical stuff. I, what I end up doing, this is like the third or fourth year now, is I love the hacker uh, scavenger hunt. And the scavenger hunt, it, it's it's not technical, generally speaking. There might be one or two technical things there. But generally, it's not technical. But it has a lot to do with hacker culture uh, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, trivia and things like that. So, you know, at times you'll have to go and, and uh, uh, you know, find old uh, VHS cassettes of, of you know, hackers or something like that, or, or you got to find people with, you know, a speaker's badge or, or so on and so forth. Long and short, anybody can play it. And, and it, it gives me a chance to kind of cut loose and relax. And I had a, I had a small team with me. Uh, you, I think we could, you could get up to a team of, I think five. Um, and last year I had played alone uh, and I was going ape. And uh, um, 
Megan, I believe her, what's her last name? Oh, Megan Roddy. Yes, Robbie, that's right. Uh, I was like, she's going to kill me. Um, uh, dear friend of mine, uh, um, she was uh, competing alone as well. And we were going neck and neck last year. And so uh, long and short, uh, she started like following me and taking pictures or turning in all the flags just as I turned them in. And so I started doing the same thing to her. This year we said, you know what, Let, let's let bygones be gone. We're, we're going we're gonna to team up together. And we figured we were going to be unstoppable. Turns out, though, uh, there was a bunch of, uh, of kids, you know, ages, I want to say, you know, 8 to 12 kind of thing. You know, like proper kids, you know, the little hackers running around. Was, wasn't it Mo, uh, Moe's kids? So, Mobius and Commander's kids and, and Wirefall's kids, you know, uh, and yeah. uh, uh, and I want to say Aphex's kid as well. Um, and they, they had this little bandit, and they were, they were tearing it up. I mean, they were absolutely tearing it up, and, and I believed... They would have beat us. Um, we ended up putting on more T-shirts than they were, but that's because we had access T-shirts. They were specifically denied access. So if we were, if we were, if we all had access, they would have beaten us. And we ended up giving them the prize uh, at the end of it. Uh, but long and short, we were, we were going around tearing it up. Well, these kids, um, they specifically outside of the scavenger hunt, but we were all kind of working, you know, competing with each other. They came up to me and said, "Tinker, I, I've got a USB." Will you plug it into your computer and tell me what's on it? Now, I knew this wasn't for the uh, for the scavenger hunt. And anytime like, a random strange kid comes up and says, hey, you know, plug in this random strange USB into your into your uh, laptop. Well, I'm going to do it j just for the shits and grins of it, you know. Um, and, and at first I thought they were, they were going to, you know, put one over me. These are the type of kids to carry malware. So I was like, I want to see what kind of malware is on here. And every time I, I, I in, any computer I bring to a con, uh, it usually doesn't have, it's not a burner laptop, but it, it's, it's my, it's my CTF laptop. So it has no hard drive, but it usually has some sort of amnesiac system. I think this time it was just a, a simple uh, live boot of Kali. And so if there gets anything on there, then I can just, you know, turn off, turn back on and it resets. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, and so I plug it in and it turns out, uh, they were legit. It, it was, they had found a USB. This was a college and it was some students, uh, you know, homework USB, you know, it was something very innocuous and, and whatnot. Well, um, uh, uh, they handed me this USB and somehow, and I don't know if it was, I made a joke. I think, I think that's what it was. Juno was running the scavenger hunt at the time. And so I said, Hey, did Juno give this to you thinking that maybe it was, part of the scavenger hunt. They're like, no, they didn't. And then that somehow became them telling everybody that Juno had given it to them. I don't know if it was, you know, it's one of these like, like play, uh, uh, you know, a telephone kind of thing. And so it started off as a joke, then it became a meme. And at this point now it became, oh, Tinker's going around telling people that Juno is, is handing out malicious USBs. And I was like, well, that's just a bald faced <laughs> lie. I would never do such a thing. But now that it's been claimed, I might as well start doing such a thing because, uh, you know, as my dad used to say, I'll give you something to cry about. And so um, uh, I can't remember who it was. Uh, it might have been Casey who was doing an OSINT course. I think that's right. Oh, God, I'm getting it all confused right now. I can't remember <laughs> who. Somebody was giving an OSINT course, and they had a bag full of uh, USBs. I believe it was Casey. If I'm completely wrong, I apologize to who was actually running the OSINT course. Um, but I had this bag full of USBs, and it was just the, the course USBs. And so at that point, I thought it'd be funny to start handing around random USBs and telling everybody that, that it came from Juno, and who knows what was on it. So, yeah, that's, that's what I ended up doing. <laughs> 
it's a long-winded answer to your question, but does that oh, answer? No, that's, that, that's fine. That's a that, that, that's a good story. Uh, I, I still have the the USB in the bottom of my bag that I took. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and I open it up. I I think there's good course material on it. You know, it's okay. it's legit. And and if you don't trust me, and you, and you shouldn't, uh, open it up in a sandbox. You know, assume it's malware and have fun. Uh, like everybody's like, is this malware? I'm like, you'd hope so. Like, go have fun with it. Go tear it apart. <laughs> assume it's malicious. Build up your sandbox, you know, unplug it from the network and uh, put, you know, pop up a, a copy of Remnux and have at, you know. There you go. There you go. Okay. So um, moving on to question two, uh, you know, anybody that uh, follows you knows that uh, knows that you do red team activity. Um, but uh, in particular, I'm curious, what's your favorite, favorite part of doing a physical penetration test? My favorite part of a physical penetration test? Um, boy, that's hard. Uh, normally, I get extremely nervous building up to it. I've got a big physical coming next week, the week before Christmas. And, uh, you know, you do as much prep as you can go. But it's just one of those things, like, if you hack... If you do a network hack, like an external pen test, if you do a network hack from, say, your home or whatever, uh, uh, if you fail, well, well, fine, you just try something else. You know, Worst case scenario, they find your IP address and they block you, but you're going through a VPN or Tor or something anyways, and so you spin up a new IP address and you do it again, right? Mm -hmm. So so you, you can, you as an attacker, you can fail continuously until you succeed. Well, in a physical, if you fail, you're you're fucking caught. You know, <laughs> you know. Worst case scenario, you get shot. <laughs> so it's like, oh, well, that's not good. Uh, and so I get really, really nervous going up to it. Uh, and then when I'm doing it, like as soon as I start, I go in. Everything just kind of clicks into place, and I'm no longer you're no longer planning. Like everybody's like, what would you do if you know if you did this? And 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 it's good. To, it's good to think about those kind of things ahead of time. Like, you know, if someone asks you this, if someone challenged you this way, or you come across this, what would you do? And it's important to do that ahead of time so that you're sandboxing, you're role-playing it out, right? Um, you're tabletopping it. But when you're in that moment, you're not going to sit here and, like, roll for initiative, let me think. You know, it's like, no, you better act and act right then. And you 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 do what's called falling back on training, uh, but it's all instinctual at that point. I say some of the best training to do is, like, uh, improv training, you know. Uh, stand-up kind of stuff where you have to think on your feet um, and so going up to a, a, a physical pen test I'm freaking out I'm, not, I'm nauseous I'm anxiety and I'm not sleeping when I'm doing it I'm about as cold as can be uh, just thinking on my feet and it, it's completely tactical uh, and then I've got specific objectives and then when I'm done uh, I have a complete adrenaline dump where it all leaves my body and I'll go back to my hotel room and, like physically shake right uh, and then I got to worry about making sure I have everything I need for the report and report writing is its own stress. So I'd honestly say my favorite part of a physical pen test is two weeks later after I've turned in the report and I have a good story to tell, but during the whole thing, it's just, it, it's, it's, uh, it's hellish. Let me tell you, I, I, I joke that I, I, uh, it's, you know, getting prepped and doing it is, it's hard, but having accomplished it is amazing. If that makes sense. But to, to answer your question a little bit more directly, um, while doing it, I, I'm good at social engineering. I'm good at lying to people in their, uh, to the face. Uh, it's not something I'm proud of, though. Uh, it doesn't make me feel good. Um, 
But what I really, really, really like doing is uh, getting into places I'm not supposed to be in. So, but even then, I'm like really nervous I'm going to get caught. Tell you the truth, I like stealing things. Um, uh, I, I, I like, you know, uh, 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 different pen tests will give you different scopes. So sometimes, you know, they want you to get access to sensitive documents. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes they, they, I had one that wanted me to get into, you know, the shred bins for instance, and, uh, or others like, you know, Hey, we've got these primitives, primitives just being some sort of physical object that's important to the company, but you cannot digitize if you will. And, and there's a, a large variety of whatever that could be. Right. Um, and so sometimes they'll have physical primitives like, Hey, if you can get a hold of this, you know, I, I once got a hold of a, of a full domain controller as an example. Um, and so actually physically stealing objects like I'm a thief at heart before I'm a hacker I'm a thief I I, I hate being a con artist I, I hate being a grifter I'm good at it but I hate it uh being a hacker I'm competent uh, I'm not the best but I'm competent but but uh, uh you know a, a thief that that's kind of where I got my beginnings a long time ago so I I just I love jacking shit thinker I just I absolutely love it <laughs> Well, I, I think uh, whenever you ripped off that domain controller was is probably uh, one of those stories that it's just going to live in legend for years and years well, and years. It, it was funny because when I when I put that up on Twitter, because uh, it wasn't a good story. Uh, I, I was I was talking to John on a purple uh, uh, purple squad sec. That's right, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he asked me to tell the story, and it, I literally I walked in. It was an open door. I jacked it and I left. Um, there wasn't a lot of buildups. No Ocean's Eleven on that. It's more smash and grab. Hello. <laughs> uh, for me, it was like okay. Now that I have this domain controller that's unplugged, you know, how do I get the information off of it? That was the fun, interesting part of, of that of that Twitter thread. Was I've got. I, you know, it was all in RAID configuration, but, but I have these hard drives that have the, the, the little, cause I've only attacked domain controllers part of that. I'd only attack domain controllers through the network, you know, I, I by getting domain admin creds of, or, or, you know, uh, uh, impersonating tokens or, or, or some shit like that. And, and so I knew how to use like net commands. I knew how to do a volume shadow copy and all that kind of stuff, but mm -hmm. having it physically there, what do I do? How do I literally get it off? That was the important thing. And a lot of people are like, Hey, just plug into your network and hack it normally. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if it's going to beacon, but I can't create my own little network where it won't beacon. But, but I don't, I don't know if it's, like, I have no idea what's on here. I, I, I just want to pull it off statically. That, that was a fun thing. But stealing it, I mean, it was heavy. Uh, no, no doubt. I mean, for, for use, I, I joked on Twitter that I had it underneath my arm. But, I mean, I, I was literally, and it had those little kind of handles in the front. And I I, mm -hmm. I could get my fingers underneath it. But I'm, I'm not holding it with my hands. I'm holding it with my fingers uh, kind of in front of me. And I'm, I'm, I have, keep shifting back between letting one go and holding it underneath. And it's torquing my back. And it's a it was, it was, it was just a, you know, just absolute winch. And I went out through the front and some dude looked at me who, who worked there and I kind of looked at him and just kind of walked out. I don't think he even, I don't think he even knew what I had, you know, he wasn't in it or anything. So it's one of those, it's like, what'd you do when you caught? I'm like, they, they didn't think to stop me. They didn't know what I had. Um, but no, I, 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 I love stealing things. Uh, uh, it harkens back to my days of, you know, a, a preteen stealing, uh, playboys out of a seven 11. Um, you know, you, you'd have to, you'd have to steal it from the, from the magazine rack when, when, when the clerk wasn't looking, stick it into your pants, put your shirt over it, suck in a little bit, then walk and buy a Coca-Cola and put the Coca-Cola in front of the person, look them in the eye, pay for the Coke and then walk out casually. You know, you got to play it cool. So I just, I don't know. 
Oh, boys, boys or girls, do not try that at home. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Don't try any of this shit at home. <laughs> unless, unless somebody's paying you. I don't care who pays you, but somebody ought to pay you. <laughs> now, I, I'll tell you, too, right about that time was whenever you were doing the doing the work of showing uh, how, how uh, easy it is to uh, crack an eight-character password yeah, at that yeah. point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, whenever you posted that stuff up, I was like, Wow, this has advanced since the last time you know since, since anything I've read prior. Uh, yeah. on, uh, stuff like this, and um, and uh, I, I maintained a compliance environment. And part of the com- uh, part of the compliance reg um, says that you have to have a password uh, of more than seven characters. I'm like, oh. okay, great. Oh. Well, we've been using eight character passwords. But I, I told uh, we recently got bought out, so I told my new boss. I said, you know. Um, you know, we're, we've been doing eight character passwords and technically the compliance regs say eight character passwords is fine, but Hey, I, you know, got, got this person that posted some work on cracking mm-hmm. eight character passwords and you can basically crack any eight character password in a day, uh, pretty much at this point. Um, and, 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 and he was fine with going ahead and up and everything. And I was, oh, I was good, shocked. Good. Yeah, and that's the thing. So, so this is specifically NTLM hashed passwords, right? Unsalted right. NTLM, uh, and and the benchmarks that I've seen recently are you can go through the entire key space of an eight character password, uppercase, lowercase, number, and symbol, and that's on an American keyboard. So you're looking at about ninety five characters, mm-hmm. uh, you know, poor digits. So it's ninety five to the eighth, which comes out to I think one point six quadrillion. Right, so that's thousand million billion trillion quadrillion uh, uh, characters. You can go through the entire key space, every possible combination in two and a half hours. Oh wow! Yeah, and and and, and when I posted that up, I, I had a lot of web developers saying, "Well, yeah, that's NTLM. If you use bcrypt or whatever, you know, it, it goes out." You know, eight characters fine. I'm like, that's that's fair and that's true, and that's part of the point of this uh, of this you know post is that we need stronger hashing algorithms. But the thing that I was communicate specifically is NTLM is not in. I mean, it is an old hash, but they're like, oh, NTLM's outdated. I go, yes, but it is still used. It's the hashing algorithm that saves your uh, password on a Windows computer locally in the SAM, mm-hmm. and it also saves it in Active Directory in the ntds.dit uh, file. Uh, so as long as that exists in the bulk majority of corporate enterprises, that's going to be the benchmark because that's what I crack. It's very rare that me personally, I, mean, I will crack uh, web hashes whenever I get a hold of them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, those aren't nearly, I mean, yeah, use bcrypt and use everything along those lines as well, please. Uh, but heck, some people recently don't use any hashing at all. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Um, yeah, but, but no, uh, uh, within a windows enterprise using eight character passwords, I can burn through that in about two and a half hours, no matter what it is. Uh, nine character passwords. I can burn through the entire key space and a nine character password in four days, which is still not enough. So I recommend at minimum 12 character passwords. What I, I honestly tell people is do 20 character passwords, but, and they're like, well, I can't remember that. My point is, it's better to do a 20 character pass phrase. So now we're talking five words, minimum four characters each, all lowercase, no special characters, no spaces. So five words, random words put together, right? 
It's easy for a person to remember that. It's hard for a computer to hack. Right now, with eight character upper lower numbered symbols, we made it hard for a person to remember and easy for a computer to crack. Yep. yep. So I'm yeah. glad they listened to you. That's awesome. Well, and before I uh, before I started to uh, roll out the idea of the change to everybody else, I, one of the things I did was start to try to figure out, okay, what's the best way to digest this back out to them, where they're going to sure. they're going to get it and they're going to understand. And, uh, and basically, you know, I, I'm encouraging people to use passphrases. And part of the reason I'm encouraging it though is because is because I spent time figuring out, okay. How easy can I remember these these things? Because because right. stuff like that it takes me forever yeah. to, to to remember some of these things. I mean, shoot, phone numbers on my cell phone. No. It wasn't until it wasn't until my current phone number that I actually got to pick out on my own that is that I actually knew that number from day one. Yeah, it, yeah. you know, it takes me six months to remember it without looking at it or somebody asking sure. for my number. So it's, so, but but with, with these passphrases, I've I've actually done really good at remembering whenever I've uh, made changes. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm like, okay, if me, somebody that that's a little bit of a weak spot for me, can remember those, then that should be fairly straightforward for everybody else too. Um, yeah. The so uh, you're absolutely right. Um, the the thing that runs into trouble is when people start trying to do passphrases in Windows environments, they still think that they need to do the upper lower number and symbol, and that makes it difficult to remember even a passphrase. And mm -hmm. so I would say if you're going to do a passphrase, do minimum you know make it minimum twenty characters. That way you have the length, and and, and don't even tell people minimum twenty characters. Just say minimum five words. And pick words that are minimum four characters long. That that's it. And they'll end up picking longer ones too. That's the beautiful thing about it. Yep. Um, and, and tell them at that point, if you have minimum twenty characters, you don't have to do upper lower number and symbol. You right. know, twenty six to the twentieth is many more uh, uh, key space than ninety ninety fifth to the eighth. And I'll, right. I'll let your listeners uh, do the math themselves. <laughs> uh, you know, don't trust me. Do the math yourself, kind of thing. Uh, but make sure it's all lowercase. They don't have to do spaces if they don't want to. They can if they want to. Uh, but it, it, it's five words, minimum four characters. Even if you, even if uh, an attacker would know that that was your policy, try to put a dictionary of the most common English language words uh, uh, multiplied, uh, sorry, exponentially five times. That's still mm -hmm. astronomical. I mean, that, that, that's, that, that's still amazing. Um, yeah. but, but, you know, a lot of people, when they think of password policy, a lot of people will say, hey, use password wallets. And that's good for web services, right? Problem mm -hmm. is, who's going to pull out a password wallet, even if it's on your phone, that's perfectly random gibberish and type that into your Windows computer to log on each day? Exactly. Nobody is. And now I've got to do like different combinations. Uh, you try doing that, you're going to get wrong all the time. Pass password wallets are perfect when you can just say copy password, paste password. Password wallets are miserable when you have to actually type it out one character per time. And so that's where the five-word random passphrase, all lowercase, no numbers and symbols. Just make it easy for the user. And, I, and here's one last thing that, that we just covered today. Uh, I, I was talking on, on Twitter about, uh, you know, enumerating whenever we have to make our users, uh, you know, make new passwords. Typically, all they do is they add one at the end of their their password mm -hmm. or, or whatever it is right you know it, may, it might go from you know spring 2019 to, to fall 2019 or whatever right um if you have a passphrase 
that becomes more difficult because how do you enumerate a word? And, and you may be able to do that, right? You might hop from one kid to another or whatever, um, but but at least it's much more difficult than just adding one. Yeah, very true, very true. Um, all right, moving on to the next question. Believe it or not, we're only at question number three. Dang. <laughs> um, so, uh, it, so if I remember correctly, you're ex-military, right? Uh, yep. Yeah, it was the Marines? Yeah, and when you said X, I was like, I was a former Marine, not an ex-Marine. So, like, whatever. <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> and, I, 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 I should know better. I, I, I grew up uh, being a fan of Texas A&M, and Texas A&M, you're never an ex-student. You're a former student. Yeah, they're, they're all goofy, the, the freaking Aggies. Now, now I <laughs> think I, I do want to, real quick, because we are 30 minutes in. I mean, I can speed this up if you need me to, depending on oh, your... Okay. Or you can cut us off at however many, I, you know, for the sake of your listeners at this point, I don't think they want to hear me after all that. <laughs> oh, no, 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 Okay, Hey, you're, you, you tell good stories, man. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, so Marines, what made you decide to go into the Marines? Um, the French Foreign Legion wouldn't take me. <laughs> okay, so what really made you decide? Uh, I'm not lying. I, 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 I'm serious. Oh, you, you, the, you tried to get in the French Foreign Legion? Yes, uh, um, I had bad eyesight at the time, uh, uh, and uh, the the French Foreign Legion they needed you to have perfect eyesight, um, and so uh, couldn't join them. And the Marines were uh, uh, they were the hardest that I could find, and they would give me glasses. There you go. There you go. Okay, so then uh, moving on to question number four. Uh, I'll, sure. I'll have to talk to you about French Foreign Legion later. <laughs> sure. Um, question number four, what was your favorite band in high school? So when you say band, you mean like like music Musical band? Musical act. Oh, yeah. in high, what you said in high school? In high school. Oh, Offspring, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I, I, I was definitely a child of, of the Offspring. Uh, I, I wore out their cassette in my, my cheesy-ass car. Uh, blew out, blew out the speakers in that cheesy ass car. Um, it, it ran, it barely ran, but uh, it played it. Yeah, I, I went to Offspring concerts and the mosh pits and everything. And when Offspring came out with a greatest hits album, I knew I was officially old. So, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's it's funny you should uh, you should say something about cheesy ass car because uh, I'm going to bump question number nine up to sure. next. Do it. And that's going to be what? What was the first car that you drove? Uh, the first car that I drove, um, now just so that all your, your listeners know, uh, none of these are my security questions. So uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't mind actually telling you the truth because I don't use any of it. Um, the first car that I drove, shit. I don't know. Probably a Chevy Impala, mid-90s. Would you classify that as cheesy ass? Yeah. <laughs> What, was it just the cheapest car you can get? Yeah. Yeah. When I say you cheesy ass. There's it, it, no it, shame in that. No. When I say cheesy ass, I, I don't mean the car itself. I mean the state of the car. That thing was <sighs> like like Chevy Impalas, you know, everybody drove a Chevy Impala. They're, 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 they're solid, fairly reliable for a Chevy. Uh, you know, um, they get the job done, etc. cetera. Uh, driving a Chevy Impala, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. The modern ones are great. Um, it was the state in which it was. I This thing I had to pour. So I, I'd fill it up. I'd fill gas up like, and I didn't drive that much. I'd fill gas up 
twice a week, I think. And I, mm-hmm. uh, once a week, I'd put an entire, uh, I'd fill up the oil tank as well. Uh, and so, so, uh, I think the, the air conditioning went out on the thing, you know, and I, I, uh, it, it, when I say it went out, it went out in such a way that the air conditioning belt jammed to where it would not start. And so I had to go in and disengage the pulley. I had to keep the pulley there, but I had to disengage the pulley from the air conditioning to where it would still spin, but, but not get hung up on the air conditioning. <laughs> drive so when I say cheesy ass, I mean, it was, this thing was fun. I, I, I drove the thing around and, and I knew how it handled. And mm-hmm. so I, I drove it around probably for, I don't know, two, three years. And, and, and it was working, you know. I mean, I'd, I'd pour blood, sweat, and tears into it every every couple of weeks. Uh, and I ended up handing it off to a friend. I don't even think I, I sold it to him. I just gave it to him. And it broke down irreparable after two weeks of driving. And I was like, wow. well, you need to take care of it, you know. And he's he's just like, well, fuck you. And I'm like, well, you, need, you give me my, <laughs> let, let me give you your money back, right, kind of thing. So. <laughs> Yeah, I I, uh, I drove a uh, mid seventies model uh, Toyota Corolla hatchback when I was in high school. Yeah, that's a good car. Yeah, yeah, it, and it was built for uh, it, it was built for uh, Washington State originally. So yeah, I was I was driving it in Texas with not even air conditioner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in, in a black interior at that. I bet you had a great heater though. Oh yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the heater worked just fine, but. Uh, um, it, it was it was funny. Uh, you remember whenever Taco Bell used to have those like floating uh, monster eyeballs that they that, that it's I mean it's like this is like back in the nineties. Floating monster eyeballs? No. Yeah, what what kind of? I, 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 I grew up I grew up on the border, so I didn't eat a lot of Taco Bell. I, I ate a lot of just you know Seven Eleven tacos. So fair enough, fair enough. Well, it, it, it was it was like some kind of like floating monster eyeball encased in a in a plastic ball. Was this something and you it, ate? No, no, it, it was a collectible. Oh, they they had Happy Meals. <laughs> I, I don't even remember what it was I ordered to get them. I'm gonna have to research this. This is gonna be like one of my Wikipedia dives right now. Go, <laughs> go on, tell me about it. Tell me about but it. it was, but, but so I had some of those, okay, and uh, and they jammed perfectly between uh, between where the horn was on the steering wheel and the edge of the steering wheel. Sure, and so yeah. I had some of those jammed in there, but because black interior, no air conditioner. Oh no. Uh, Whenever I whenever I was uh, in a, a marching band practice after school, yeah, I would leave those windows down. Sure. Well, did it melt? Somebody, somebody came along and and uh, ripped a couple of those monster eyeballs off. Why? Just like really? Come Why? On. <laughs> Let me have my little knickknacks. Come yeah, on. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I'll pick you up another one next time I'm at Taco Bell. I just ask. <laughs> Wow, um, some folks. yeah, the, yeah, the, 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 the pitfalls of uh, of having a yeah air conditioner. I I I, I drove that uh, uh, in Texas too, so I I, I feel you. I, I had to work actually. I I worked as a runner for a firm. Uh, I'd, I'd hand deliver packages for them. It was mm-hmm. uh, a skitzy uh, thing along the edge of the border. Anyhow, um, I didn't have air conditioning and, uh, you know, but I had to wear a suit and a tie kind of thing. And I, I didn't have to wear a coat, but I had to wear, you know, button up with a tie. And man, I get out of that thing just completely drenched each time, but everybody down there was just sweating. It was just part of the culture. It, it you know, it didn't matter. So, yeah. 
Okay, so moving on to the next question. Uh, sure. I guess we'll offici- would officially be question six at this point. Let's go for um, it. So I tried to ask Waterfall uh, about uh, one of his favorite stories about you. Uh. Um, and he didn't know which one would be safe to share. Ah. So, <laughs> uh, so, so uh, obviously I'm getting plenty of good stories about you. Do you have a good story about Waterfall? Yes. Um Waterfall is a gray beard in the classic sense. We, we, Waterfall is the founder of the Dallas Hackers Association, and he is, uh, you know, a, a paragon of, uh, of the Dallas community, but also, you know, the international hacker community. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Kevin Mitnick stole one of his stories for Chapter 7 of his Art of Intrusion. You can look it up. It actually quotes him there. Uh, that entire Chapter 7 is him. Um and he's been around, you know, he, he was pen testing before uh, God created the earth kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and so he, uh, you know, we, we, we joke, but, but it's, it's lovingly the truth that, that he's the friar tuck of our, uh, of our merry band of, you know, thieves and grifters at, at, at DHA at Dallas Hackers Association. Uh, and it's the truth, you know, he, he gives us legitimacy, you know, everybody can call us script mm-hmm. kiddies, but we point over to him and, uh, uh, you know, that man has forgotten more about hacking than I'll ever know. Um, and so I'll, I'll tell a story about him that I don't, that, that that's personal to me. Um, uh, uh, because it, this really paints, I think this really shows, you know, what kind of a person Wirefall is. Uh, I had gotten back from Iraq and found myself in Dallas uh, and spent a couple years, some of it was unemployed, some of it was doing uh, construction work and literally working odd jobs here and there. Uh, uh, and I, I had decided that after going through a lot of different things, I won't go into that story, but I decided to try to, to try my hand at information security. I, I, had, I had hacked and done script kitty shit in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then I, I, I joined the Marines, went off to war and, and, and kind of left that, that life behind me and up saying, okay, well, I'll pick it back up, see what I can do. Uh, and, and I started self-teaching, you know, teach myself networking systems, uh, you know, coding, attacks, defense, et cetera. Um, and, and after several months I started to, and hanging out in the local community, talking to folks, I started getting my first couple of interviews, you know, and, and, uh. Uh, someone went through that they, they were kind of okay, uh, wasn't getting jobs, but it was okay. I wasn't expecting it kind of thing. I was just trying to, you know, get my name out there. Um, starting to try to figure out what I needed to, to know in order to interview. And the best way to do that is go interview and have them tell you what you need to know, right? Um, and uh, at that time, I, I had been with DHA uh, and, I, and I, you know, started to get to know Wirefall. I started to uh, uh, kind of understand all of it. And... I started interviewing very specifically for, or I got an interview, it was coming up in about a week or week and a half from that time, uh, for a entry-level SOC analyst position. And the idea was they they needed you to know all the basics and they needed you to know attacks and defenses, at least from a study standpoint. And I, I had kind of done the traditional, you know, spin up a lab and do as much as I could on my own. Uh, and I was running through just sitting down with Waterfall and he was kind of telling me everything he knew. And he goes, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you come to my home and I'll take you back into my den and I've got a server rack back there. That's my lab. And I'm sitting here with a $50 refurbed laptop that I got off of eBay, you know, running Linux and it had eight gigs of Ram cause that's all I could take. 
and uh, and I was running VirtualBox on it. That was my lab. You know, th this old man had a freaking full server rack or two. I mean, he and he's like, "Come over here. I'll let you play with my lab." <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, he he does that. He he lets me come over. And he goes, now, I'm not going to do all this for you. You're going to set this up for yourself. But I've given you this bare metal, this server rack right here. Uh, why don't you go ahead and install Security Onion, uh, which, you know, comes preloaded with a bunch of detection tools, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Bro, Snort, uh, it's even got some some sim, similar kind of stuff, logging mechanisms, et cetera. Uh, he goes, go ahead and install that on there. And I do. And he helps me configure it. He goes, okay, I've got a, I've got a paper target over here, you know, some, some vulnerable VM, and I'm attacking from this IP address. So here's my target, here's me, and I've got you sniffing in the middle. I'm going to shoot actual malicious traffic at you. I'm going to show you what a hack actually looks like. And I want you to see if you can detect it. And he sat me down at a console. I shoot you not. I think he was sitting up. He had this like walking desk, you know, one of these treadmills. And he had he had two uh, monitors by him. He goes, the left one is the attack. The right one is defense. He set me in this like lazy boy, like command chair kind of thing <laughs> where the left. He, I had two monitors in front of me. Like I, I'm, I'm I feel like I'm on Star Trek, like just but it's better than Star Trek, like sinking into this thing. And he goes, OK, we're both we both have the same monitor set up. We both have a left one, which is me, the attacker. This is him talking. And the right one is you, the defender. So you're going to see what I'm doing, and, and let's see if you can tell what it is on, on, on your defense side. And he just starts shooting across my bow, right? Just, just starts laying into this thing. Or actually, I say that. He, he starts light. He just goes, okay, here, here's a light, you know, uh, uh, reconnaissance. Here's a light scan. Can you see it? And, and, you know, little yellow kind of flags start coming up on Security Onion. And I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. It says reconnaissance activity. Um, yeah, okay, I can see that. I can see what ports you're going. Okay, cool. He goes, all right, let's, uh, let's stretch out a little bit. Let me see if you, what do you see now? And he, he, I, I hear him press enter and, uh, uh, red just starts flooding my screen, you know, like, you know, massive attack of whatever it was at the time. And I'm like, oh shit, oh shit. And I start diving in and I'm able to, you know, go into it, start looking at packets. But, you know, he spent like, you know, a couple hours with me, just me alone, you know, and I, I, I'm a nobody. You know, like straight off the street kind of thing, and he took the time to to take me under his wing, and uh, and 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 teach me hacking. But but beyond just being able to talk to me, I mean, he he let me shoulder surf him, and, and really it was he knew that I was going to to interview for this, and he goes, you need some actual experience for this, and I was able to basically sit in the in the seat of a SOC analyst, of an intrusion detection security analyst, uh, and actually look at at live traffic, uh, and, and and so. He did that for me. I walked into that interview uh, about a week later. You know, I took all my notes and I went back and kind of reviewed what he had taught me. And I went in with, with, with you know, my book knowledge that, that I'd studied. I went in with, with my own, like, you know, uh, CTF kind of stuff and, and labs. But I went in with his and they, they asked me, you know, like, well, do you have any experience? Not, not expecting me to have experience, right? This was an entry-level position. Um, you know, I had experience in the Marine Corps and I experienced, you know, hacking way back when. But but this was, I was like, no, I, I told him, I go, I sat down with... Uh, you know, with Wirefall, I use his real name, and uh, and they knew of him. Uh, I said, you know, I sat down with him. He shot across the bow, and I, I spun up these tools, and I did this analysis and this sim work and this log analysis. And they went, A, the fact that you took the time to learn it, that's, that's amazing. The fact that you went out and met somebody, gained their trust, that's amazing. But the fact that you have that experience when nobody else is interviewing could possibly have that experience. He gave me a leg up, thinker. Mm -hmm. 
you know, Waterfall took care of me. And he does that to, he does that for people. You know, the, the entire community can tell you their individual stories of where Waterfall's been for them. You know, even if it's just something casual, I mean, he'll, he'll take time out of the day just to encourage you, you know, like, like he, you know, he's open with, with, with us, you know, when, when he's down, he's hurting, he's just the man, you know, he's not, you know, he's not impenetrable by any means, but he will give and just give again. And, and, and I think that's the true character of who Waterfall is. Oh, absolutely. Um, and just, just in the short time I've known him, he, uh, he, he's taken some kind of shine to me. I don't know, don't know what he sees, but you know what? I could tell, I, I could tell just from my exposure to him that it, how good of a person he is. I, he, I, I appreciate him so much. No, absolutely. Okay. So let's, let's move on to uh, question number seven. Yes, sir. Um, so uh, anybody that pays close enough attention to some of the stuff that you post online oh. is aware of your Tink Phone project. Uh, yeah. What, how how did that come in, come into play? What was what, what encouraged you to start even looking at doing that project? So so Tink Phone is basically uh, it's the idea of I, I like the idea of building my own computer. Right, you can go out and get a CPU, get a motherboard, etc. I like the idea of doing that, but for a phone. And there, there just really hasn't been prior to some recent initiatives, and I'll go into that. Um, the idea of I, I had seen a couple of phones out there that were were two G phones, right? Mm -hmm. there, there's there's some like a Pi Zero phone and things like that, and, and and you have to I think you have to order some specific custom parts, or maybe they they, they put out the uh, the PCB uh, 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 plans, and you could you could at least order it yourself, right? But um. Mm -hmm. So it was at least open source in that. But but the idea was I wanted to be able to make a, a, a smartphone, so at least 4G, uh, a smartphone with, meaning it, it, it ran off of a touchscreen. And I had seen some of those where, you know, the person had coded up their own dial or whatever. And, and, and long and short, I wanted to be able to make a hardware smartphone with COTS, you know, commercial off-the-shelf uh, equipment. Just be able to plug it in. It didn't have to be pretty, but it had to work. And it needed to run somebody else's software. Right. Right. That's the goal. Um, uh, to be upfront right now, I'm not actively working on it. I have no time. Um, and so I put out some initial things. Uh, I basically made a tablet out of a, out of a, uh, a Pi three that ran, uh, Ubuntu touch, which mm -hmm. is, uh, a, a, a smartphone operating system based off of Linux. Uh, I also kind of made my own configuration of Ubuntu mate that ran, uh, Ubuntu touch apps off of it. You could, you had to sideload them on, right. But, but you could run them. Um, uh, and so I, I got up that part. Uh, I had to stop. I wasn't able to get a uh, a cellular modem, a baseband to work. Not not that I, I long sure I, I didn't get a chance to try. Uh, so I, I I just I didn't get to that point. That's the next benchmark. Um, life took over, etc. And and I had to prioritize a lot of my uh, projects. And right now I have my job, uh, and I have two secondary projects that I'm not going to go into here, uh, but they're taking over my, uh, I'll, I'll whisper in your ear later on thinker. Um, but, uh, 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 so I had to put this one aside, uh, but that, that was what drew me there was the idea of, you know, phones are these weird things that, that everybody uses them, but we can't control them. You, you, the only way to control them is if you get something like Android or even iOS and you jailbreak it, which means you, you intentionally put it into an insecure state in order to get control. And I don't like the idea of, of, 
it being one or the other. I, I, why can't I use a phone like I use my computer where I can just pseudo it, you know, whereas all, all the complete security, but I also have control. I want my phone to be the same way. So that's what I was trying to make. And, and I, I got about, you know, a third of the way towards my goal and, and I was satisfied with it. Two projects have come up that have made it to where I don't think I'll need to continue my Tink phone project. If I do, uh, uh, and it, it still has an advantage, um, uh, uh, meaning where you can make your own, I think that would be fun. Um, mm-hmm. But the two phones that came up, one is the Librem 5 by Purism. Uh, that's a complete um, design from the ground up, open source hardware and phone, open source as much as possible. The baseband is still closed source. I don't, uh, there's open, uh, I forgot what the, the project was. Uh, it, it's a way to reverse it, or it's a project reverse engineering baseband's, but uh, they don't have anything really workable right now uh, for a daily driver. Uh, so most main spans are still closed source, which sucks. Um, but all the rest of it, it's uh, open sourced. And uh, their operating system is basically PureOS, which is a, uh, I believe it's a Debian fork, and it's specifically configured for uh, a smartphone uh, uh, for touchscreen, and it's wonderful. Uh, so, so that that's there. It's not, it's not open. It's not something you can build yourself, right. but it's there. The other one, which you can build yourself, uh, is the uh, the Pine phone, uh, which is based off of the Pine sixty four, Rock sixty four, I think, uh, which it, it amounts to the same form factor. The, the raw uh, Pi 64 and Rock 64 is the same form factor as a Raspberry Pi. Um, and they said, well, hey, let's make a, a phone running this system on a chip form factor. And they have a phone uh, uh, system. Um, the form factor is a touchscreen phone. And it's basically you can run anything you want off of it. And so Ubuntu Touch uh, is is making, uh, you know, a, a port for the Pine 60 or for the Pine phone. Um, KDE Plasma Mobile is as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think that probably you, you can probably get uh, PureOS to run on it uh, as well. Probably um, they just sent me out a uh, a developer model. I should be mm-hmm. getting it in the mail at some point. I'll, I'll post up uh, some unboxing and some photos of that too. Uh, okay. But but the Pine Phone basically meets my needs, e- even though. I mean, essentially, the only thing that would be different is you'd build it yourself off of, uh, you know, your own pieces, and then as opposed to getting the phone form factor yourself. But those two uh, projects, even though they're not exactly what mine was, they're close enough that it fulfills my needs. I've always been—I don't care who does it, just so long as it was getting done. And since at the time no one was working on it, I figured I'd work on it myself. Okay, it makes sense. All right, I'll move on to the next question. It's one that I've been using with everybody because sure. I, I, th- I think that's a fun question. But uh, it's I've been asking people, giving them three phobias. You're not allowed to look up these phobias, but you got to pick which one would you rather have. Okay. And uh, if, if you saw on Twitter, um, Wirefall was like, ooh, 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 I want to pick it. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I want to pick it. So, so the the three that I have in front of me to uh, to, to uh, ask you about, okay, um, are ones that have been handpicked by Wirefall. Oh no, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so w- w- once again, you can't look this up. You got to pick one, and then we'll talk about what they are. I'm nothing but honest. Okay, so the first one is doxophobia. Doxophobia. I'm going to write these down. I'm not going to look them up. Okay. Doxophobia. Well, okay. 
Good, good luck writing this next one down. Uh, it'll be uh, uh, phonetic, but go ahead. Logizomechanophobia. Logizomechanophobia? Logizomechanophobia. Mechan- mechanophobia, okay. And then uh, the last one is uh, teronophobia. Tero? No phobia? Yeah. So, teronophobia. Mm-hmm. Oh, that fuck me. All right, so doxophobia. It just it sounds like you know fear of being doxed, right? Uh, uh, so, so fear of uh, people doing OSINT on me, right? Uh, that's probably not what it is because all these are Latin based, and I don't think dox is Latin based. But uh, logisomechanico mechanophobia uh, is that some sort of uh, it's mechanics with. I'd say logic or logistics. I don't know. I don't think it's logo, which is oh, like pathos and weird shit. Oh, that's weird. Uh, but I'll call it a logical machine. So I'm thinking uh, robotics at that point. Uh, something out of uh, of uh, Boston Dynamics. And uh, teronophobia. Teronophobia. I know this one, actually. Uh, that That's... Uh, uh, that's going to be um, basically reading a tarot deck and not having fear, right? So because it's no phobia, it's lack of fear of a tarot deck. And uh, since I am a, uh, I have a fondness for tarot and I don't want to be fearful of tarot, I'm going to have to pick uh, the no tarot phobia one. Okay. So doxophobia. Yes. It is the fear of expressing opinions or of receiving praise. Yeah, I don't have that fear at all. You, you can praise me all you want. I, I, I live off of praise. And I'll give you my opinion in a heartbeat. <laughs> um, Logizomechanophobia. Okay. Um, you're, you're actually pretty close on yeah? your, on your uh, context clues there. It's the fear of computers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I have an absolute uh, – I deplore computers – uh, I, I absolutely uh, detest and hate computers, uh, but I don't fear them, though. No. All right. And then teronophobia is P-T-E-R-O-N-O-phobia. Was it like pterodactyls? Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's the fear of feathers or being tickled by feathers. Yeah, no, that's, an, yeah, no, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, whenever I saw that, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, Waterfall is trying to provide uh, provide a good reaction for yeah. <laughs> for you on that. Yeah, that, so that that's not fair because Waterfall would know my fears, and, and at least <laughs> at least if not my fears, then my hatred. So uh, <laughs> no, he that those were those were very apt choices. Uh, thank you, Waterfall. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm gonna have nightmares tonight. And I'm not gonna sleep. Cheers. <laughs> nightmares about feathers. Yeah. Oh no, no, we're done. Mm-mm. <laughs> Okay, uh, moving on to question number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was just because I was watching Survivor while I was writing these questions down. Okay. So let's, let, let's pretend you're on Survivor and, the, and you're down to the final four and it's you and Wirefall and Commander and Mobius. Which one of those three do you vote to, uh, vote to send off? Okay, so, so I'm... I'm not very familiar with Survivor. Uh, I, I know it's reality television, and, and you've said voting people off. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, why? I mean, can I vote for myself? Because I like them. 
You can't vote for yourself. That's not. That's can not I? The way it works. Oh, then then I abstain. You can't abstain. Well, then, well, what the you fuck? Gotta pick somebody. You got to pick somebody. That's the way it works. All right. Well, then I ask which one of them wants to leave. Okay. What if they all say they don't want to leave? Well, then I do random. Rock paper scissors. No, no, no. I'd I'd uh I'd bring up uh you random, and, and do uh, modulus you know three or whatever, and uh, <laughs> uh I'd assign one. You gonna force me to pick? Of course. Okay. Uh, all right. So, so it's between Mobius Commander and uh, and uh, Wirefall. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's terrible. The, the, them's my good friends. Um, <laughs> I guess that's the point, isn't it? It's it's a, exactly. It's a forced tragic kind of thing. Um, so if I had a vote, so why, why do you vote to kick people off? Like, why, why would you vote? Like, what, what typically in Survivor, what would be, is it because you're all working together and, and you're keeping the person whose skills you need or, or, oh, like, no, no, no. No, or, or they're competing? Entirely, your goal entirely is you win a million dollars if you're the last person standing. So then it doesn't, okay, so that, well, it doesn't matter who you vote for then. You just need somebody to have more votes than you have, right? So then I'd try to figure out who the others would vote for and then vote for whoever they'd likely vote for in order to get them the higher than, than me. Because at this point, I can either have three votes, two votes, one vote, or no votes, right? And right. so if I kick over one and someone else votes one, then at least it would be a tie if the other one voted for me. So I have to decide who someone else at least would vote for. So... Would vote, uh, let's see, assuming that all of them might vote for me, but if they did not vote for me, who would they vote for? So who would Mo vote for? I don't think Mo would vote for Wirefall. Mo would probably vote for Commander just out of tongue-in-cheek because they're together. <laughs> uh, Commander, again, these are. I'm assuming all of them would vote for me, but assuming they didn't, on, on the off chance of luck, because I have to choose one other person that they would vote for, Commander would probably vote for Mobius out of tongue-in-cheek because he knew she'd vote for him. <laughs> Wirefall, assuming he didn't vote for me, uh, uh, I think he has a soft spot for Mobius, uh, and he believes that Commander would take it. So I think he would vote for Commander. So that's two likely votes for Commander. Uh, so I would probably have to pitch in and vote for Commander. Not Commander, if you're listening to this. Not because I want you kicked off, Okay. <laughs> This is solely cynical Machiavellian, and I believe that if I pitch in a vote for you, at least I'd have a chance of at least tying. So I'd have to pick it. Logically based, I'd have to choose that knowing what the others would vote. Okay, okay. Now, since you have not, uh, since you don't uh, follow Survivor at all, I'll, I'll break the news to you. At Final Four, whoever, it, whoever has immunity at that tribal council picks one person to go to the Final Three with them, and the other two people have to make fire for the third uh, the third and final spot. Oh, do, do you know who has immunity to begin with? Um, I mean, at that point, if it's Commander, then Commander's my best buddy. I'd never vote for him. You know, uh, you, you know more than likely, given the challenges, uh, I'd say the likely, uh, likely people would probably be either you or Commander to have immunity at that point. Interesting. 
All right, well, I've spoken my piece. Something to think about. Okay, last question. Uh, What is the worst advice you received as well as the best advice? Oh, shit. Uh, The worst advice that I received was uh, from a boss that said, hey, our company is like family. You put in your hours and we will take care of you. There was no loyalty whatsoever back. Okay. Um, I don't trust any company that says, especially one says family. Uh, you, the, the the flip side to that, the good advice is not not the answer to the best advice I received. The but the idea is when you put in your hours, your name's associated with with it. So you give your all, you give your best within the time allotted to the company, but you don't go above and beyond that. This is not war. This is you know corporate things. And when when you put in more hours, you're just buying somebody an extra Tesla. Um, so you have loyalty to your work, uh, but you don't have loyalty to a company per se. That's not saying do anything unethical. You know, uh, you don't burn companies, you know, you give your two weeks notice, you don't steal clients, you don't, you know, make them have a bad name. You you stick by your work, but you don't burn yourself for a company is probably the best way to describe that. Um, so far as the best advice I've received aside from similar to that, um, best advice is, uh, pay attention to your mental health and take time for yourself. Um, especially hackers, we have a tendency to, when you know, we're we're like bloodhounds or snapping turtles. You know, when when we when we go down a rabbit hole, when we see something that interests us, we will hold on until it is figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's f- all well and good on like hobbies. You know, when you when you have your own time and you know. Uh, if you got two weeks off and, and you spend a week barely eating, you know, uh, doing this thing that's just, you know, you got to chew on until it's done and you get up six hours later and realize you got to take a piss kind of thing. And then you can crash for three days afterwards, you know, fine, live your life. That's great. Uh, but when you're putting in hours where, you know, you need to do as much as you can in 40 hours, write a report, do as much as you can in 80 hours, write a report and flip and flip and flip. And you get into that mentality where you bite until it's figured out. Well, it, it, you're it, you're never going to figure it out because you, it, it, you got to get done with it, you know, as much as you can and then move on, kind of thing. Um, and so uh, you start lacking those benchmarks that that you you normally could rely on if it was your own thing. Uh, and what I found, both myself and uh, 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 hackers that have uh, been in my charge, um, is that. If we're not careful, we we instead of it's not a question of burnout because you always get burnout. It's a question of how long can I go until I burn out? How long does the burnout last? And then how long until I go to burnout again? And it becomes a, a not a question of of having work life balance. It becomes a question of how many cycles of burnout do I go until I'm too sick to move anymore? Right. Uh, and so the best advice that I've received is. Plan out your entire year uh, for consultants. Most of our work is Q4. Um, you know, for internal pen testers or teams or whatever, a lot of times Q4 is when things die down. You have your, your, you know, your change stops, et cetera. And so that's the time you can relax is around the holidays. But, you know, every, every industry or every environment, every company has their annual cycles of when things go up and when things go down. Sometimes it's per uh, quarter, sometimes it's per, uh, per annum. Um, but sort out when you think 
the, the big ones are, and I recommend taking a break beforehand, you know, to prep for it and taking a long break afterwards to rest up on it. Uh, and that's kind of the biggest thing is I don't, I don't care if you hack on your own time or what I, I once had a, uh, I once had a manager say, why would we ever give pen testers PTO? All they're going to do is hack their own stuff. We might as well get paid for it. I was like, you sorry, son of a, <laughs> you know, I imagine your mom's a good person, but you're terrible. Um, but, uh, you know, it's like, no, it, they don't have deliverables. They don't have stress. Like if they want to chew on something on their own time, that's fine. That that's relaxing. It's not the same as work. Um, but, but the whole big thing is I, I got to a point where, especially in these places where you have unlimited PTO, that's mm. bullshit. If, if, if you have a place that says you have unlimited PTO, immediately request three years paid time off. <laughs> They'll say, well, no. And you go, okay, so my limit is at, at most three years. How about two years? And they'll look at you. One year, half a year, <laughs> a month, one week, okay. How often can I do a week in between? Now you start getting into the limits of your PTO, right? right. Uh, and the, the flip side, though, is because you don't have tracked PTO, it's not unlimited. It's untracked PTO, which means you don't accumulate PTO and they don't owe you anything, right? right. Most places that you accumulate PTO, you, you hopefully get to a point where you use it or you lose it, and that forces you to take time off. It mm-hmm. gets into the culture. Do it. Unlimited PTO places uh, are, are sweatshops and they'll burn you out kind of thing. And so what I would do as a manager uh, was – uh, mandate at least you know three or four weeks uh, a year off outside of uh, of uh, holidays and, and con time, saying hey you will take this every year. And as things would come up, I say hey within the next six weeks give me give me a week or two that you want off. And I had a couple say well well I've got this concert I want to go to and you know in seven weeks I, I want to save up for that. I'm like we how about you take one week now and that and like, Oh, I can do both. Like, <laughs> yes, do that. You know? And, and so that's kind of the biggest thing is the best advice is for, for, you know, for, for, as an employee, make sure you plan your time off and, and make sure you stick to it and take it and then leave. I mean, you know, cut off your, 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 your communications go in, uh, in, incommunicado kind of thing. And if you're a manager, here's the big thing is make sure the people underneath you are taking time off, especially the ones that love what they do. The ones who love what they do, your best workers, you know, who seem the most passionate, they're the most likely to burn out. And so they're the ones you need to pay attention to and mand- mandate that they take time off within a window. You know, let, th- let them pick the time that works best for them, but make sure they take at least a certain amount of time off throughout the year. Yeah, uh, I, I, I could tell you that whole thing about uh, use or lose it. I, uh, there was one place I worked that actually gave, what was it, seven and a half weeks of total PTO. And nice. no, nobody ever used that all that PTO by the end of the year. So you had to use it by the end of Q1 and the next year or you lost it. Perfect. And so, and so in March, the, the office was dead more days than not. Sure. Because everybody was trying to make sure that they, they didn't lose anything. But of course, because now, now in Q1 of the year, they're trying to use up what was left from the year before, then they never end up using up the, the PTO from that year. But that was, that, that, that was healthy, though. You know? yeah. it, it, it gave you the chance, whether you, whether you needed to go to doctor's appointments or anything like that, or you were just trying to take some time off. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you, you regularly took some time off, and, and it, was just, it was just something that happened. 
Yeah, um, it becomes and, a cultural and, norm. Yeah, and, and while you know, while that particular job, there were some there were some stressors that never let up. Um, I never, I know, I never felt overwhelmed with it necessarily. Um, because I was always able to yeah. to take a rest. You, you you have you have some sort of pressure relief valve, and and yeah, the the idea of it being a stressor of hey, if you don't use it, you lose it. Then yeah, it pushes out that that norm. Whereas these places that have unlimited PTO, especially when you don't hear about the leadership taking time off, if they do, they don't tell you, which mm-hmm. is bad. Uh, it gets in this idea of well, well, I don't want to be the person who's slacking. You know, yeah. it's like no, 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 no. PTO is something you've earned. Uh, it's something that's not even beyond that. Sorry. I don't even want to say you've earned it. it, it it's a requirement of the job. It, it's it's just as much, it, it's compensation. You need to get paid for your work and you need time off from your work. Those are yeah. both requirements to work. Um, and and if there's this idea that PTO is, is seen in a negative light, you already have an unhealthy culture and it will drastically affect the entire place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but screw the entire place. I, the individual is what matters, and they need to take care of themselves. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, yeah, we did go over 30 minutes, but you know what? That's fine because whenever I decided to start this thing, I said, I told myself, it's whatever stories I can drag out of whoever I'm talking to. I, 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 I can be concise. But uh, okay. uh, you but said you wanted stories. Isn't all, concise isn't always fun. Come on now. That's fair. So, no, I, I, I think people are going to listen to this and enjoy it. I hope so. Absolutely. So, uh, it, it, so of course, I'm going to – I'm, I'm probably going to uh, tag on a, in the intro saying, hey, by the way, uh, if you're listening to this at work, don't turn it up very loud. Um, oh. Just in case ju- – ju- just, just in case – Did I, did uh, I curse? Uh, Oh, uh, a handful of times. Fuck. Um, no, hey, hey, it, it it is what it is. I'm not here to censor anybody. Um, but uh, no, it's it, it, hey, it was it was a good conversation. I always appreciate hearing your stories, whether you're mm. telling them to somebody else and I'm getting them secondhand, or whether you're telling me. So uh, it was definitely good to talk to you. I appreciate it. Cheers, thinker. I appreciate you having me on. A thanks and a shout out to Tinker for spending the time talking with me. It was a fun conversation. I enjoyed every single second of it. And maybe I can uh, get him back on again at a later point and get a few more stories out of him. Uh, once again, I call this the end of the season. Uh, I'm going to take a break till the, uh, till the new year. And we'll come back with what I'm calling season two. So stay tuned. Thank you.